0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're going to be talking about winter wheat planting considerations. But if you don't raise winter wheat, you're still going to like our show today. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Got lots of questions coming in already today. If you've got a question for us, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, so with winter wheat, uh, I just have a couple of things on that, and then I want to get right to the mailbag because, like I say, we do have a lot of questions here already that I want to try to get answered today. Uh, So, probably the biggest thing for me is fertility all the time. And so, I just really encourage you before you put that winter wheat in the ground, make sure you've done what you can on that fertility side, taking a hard look at P and K and some of the micronutrients, sulfur, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then beyond that, it's just simply uh, making sure that I've got good weed control. It's probably the number one thing I talk to wheat farmers about. So, for example, if you have a major problem with, let's say, kochia, that seems to be the number one broadleaf weed in wheat, um, put some Sharpen down. It's amazing on kochia. And then you get your crop off to a great start. You don't have any kochia coming up in the short term, and then hopefully by next spring your crop is so thick and lush and healthy that it chokes out any broadleaf weeds that come next spring. Uh, I mean, that's what I would start with—is sharpen—and um, and we do when we plant winter wheat on our farm. Otherwise, if the next biggest consideration, from depending on where you're farming at, it's grass, and it's not just some annual grass, like, uh, let's say, green foxtail or something, a lot of times it's the brome species. And so this this gets a little tougher when you've got a winter annual or maybe it's even a perennial. Hopefully it's just a winter annual brome species. Uh, you can go out there with in continuous wheat country. I mean, We really do like Olympus and Outrider. Outrider's probably the best that there is, but you just have to be very concerned about carryover. So then we're talking power flex a lot of times or what more people that do more people do than anything is prepare prepare is really inexpensive it's an ALS herbicide it's going to cost you probably four bucks an acre it all depends on the rate that you want to use but you use a little bit of prepare in the fall and then that generally speaking holds down most grasses and a few broad leaves as well some of the the uh, winter annual broadleaf weeds it'll it'll suppress as well. So you can start out that way. Just get off to a good start. That's really a big key. And we, we talked, I think it was last week, about seed treatments on winter wheat. I, I just encourage you, make sure that you're paying attention to insects besides just diseases. There is a better product out there now for wireworms. We've had lots of wireworm issues over the years um, in, in many areas. Taraxa that BSF has. So Taraxa, try that as a seed treatment if you've been struggling with wireworms. But there are some good seed treatment options out there as well. Not just fungicides and insecticides, but also some biologicals. We've been experimenting with a lot of those. Had pretty good success there with a few. So anyway, just try some things out on your farm and see what you like best for your particular situation. But you get that crop off to a good start, and boy, it's a lot easier getting winter survivability then. I mean, like, even on our own farm, our dad would complain all the time, oh, I tried winter wheat, and it it dies in the winter all the time. It didn't die for me. I've never had it die for me. But we're loading it up on fertility in advance. And that was the biggest thing on our farm that we found. And I'm not saying that that would be the case everywhere, and everyone has got a problem with fertility if they have winter wheat dying. But I am saying the better off you can start the crop – Everything from fertility to weed, insect disease control, Uh, I mean, getting off to a good start with good seed treatment and that kind of thing, and planting at the right time. you, you, You do all those steps, and you have a much better chance for good success going into next year. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question comes from Bob. He says, hi guys, I'm looking for a clinic or class to attend in person or via internet. I would like to attend your soils clinic in January, but I can't make that one, unfortunately. Are there any other courses or workshops that you recommend? I'm located in Washington State. I need to learn what my soil needs are after I take my soil samples and how to maximize my acres. Thanks. Okay, so Bob, first of all, if you want to watch any of our Ag PhD shows from the past. And by the way, I had another question here. I should talk about that one too at the same time. Uh, Oh, here it is. Uh, Well, anyway, no, I can't find it. Uh, I'll get to it eventually here. Where somebody else was asking if we have old uh, Weeds of the Week or any old episodes. Yeah, we have all our old stuff on Acres TV. Just go to Acres TV. So it's a free download for your smartphone, your tablet, your uh, smart TV. You can watch on your big TV at home. Just go to the Acres TV uh, uh, channel, and then you will see that there. You can watch any of our shows and just search for soils or something, and then uh, you can pull up any of our stuff where we're talking about soils. But like this winter with our soils clinic – um, it will be online. So you would have the opportunity to do that. Now, I would encourage you, I know it's a long ways from Washington. Uh, believe me, I've been to Washington State many times. I, I know it's a little bit of distance, but if you come in person, it always seems to me like I get more out of any of these courses or classes when I come in person because then I get the chance to ask questions and really go through things with people. Uh, so if you want to do that, great. Otherwise, you can watch online. Otherwise, we often talk about Neil Kinsey here on the show, so you can read any of his information, go to any of his classes that he has out there. He's fantastic. All right, next one is from Randy. He says, we're going to start our fall tillage in a few weeks, and I was wondering, is it best to pull soil samples before or after tillage? Randy, we're always going to tell you to go before tillage. The reason why is because now we we feel like you can get a more consistent depth, and you don't have issues where, hey, I've got this furrow here, or this this little mound of dirt or whatever. Everything is more consistent, and that's what we need when we're pulling soil tests. So then, hopefully, we have repeatable results. So that would be my suggestion. Do it before you till. Oh, and then of course, here's the question. This one was from Jonathan. Does Ag PhD keep Weed of the Week segments? Uh, on, on a website somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Again, go to Acres TV and you can find all that information. All right, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more today about winter wheat planting considerations. Stay tuned.
1: You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at Fuel.Closs.com for your chance to win ten thousand dollars in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Closs is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to Fuel.Closs.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Closs dealer. That's Fuel.ClAas.com.
3: When nematode pressure mounts, seed-applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST.
0: Thanks for listening to AgPhD Radio today. We're talking a little about winter wheat, and we're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag here a little bit later in the show as well. Again, if you've got a question for us, just email us radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844 44 AGPHD. We're going to go to the phone lines now. We've got guests on with us. It's Reed Abbott, he's with AgroLiquid down in Texas. Hey, Reed, how are you today?
4: Very good, Brian. How are you doing?
0: Excellent. All right. So we're talking about winter wheat and I was just bringing up before the break about fertility and how important fertility is not just for yield on the winter wheat, but for survivability over the course of the winter. So talk to us just a little bit about maybe some of the nutrients that a farmer needs to be taking a look at if you want better winter survivability.
4: Absolutely. So uh, first off, phosphorus would be uh, my number one, you know, uh, when you're when you're looking at that planting operation, uh, phosphorus is going to be responsible for your root growth, and, and uh, that winter survivability is going to be uh, very much determined on on how well those roots get established before winter dormancy kicks in. Um, also, potassium, uh, potassium, you know, promotes uh, good health, good standability in the spring when you're when you're talking about uh, going, heading into harvest, but it also helps there on the front end. Uh I mean I'll tell you down here in Texas right now we're we're uh surviving a drought and guys are looking at a pretty uh tough moisture situation and, and that potassium would help uh help with some water uh regulation and stuff like
0: that in the plant. So yes. you know really
4: focusing on those two nutrients heading into the winter is going to be
0: important. Okay, another question that we get is putting fertility with or right near the seed because a lot of people will do that. And and their question is always, well, how much can I put on? So when you get that question, how much of your liquid fertilizer can you put safely near that seed? I mean, what what type of fertilizer are we talking about, and how much rate?
4: Well, uh, I mean, wheat uh, in general is going to be much more hardy. Plus, you're you're spreading that out over you know between that seven and a half or ten inch spacing. Uh, versus, you know, uh, 20s or 30s on corn and soybeans, those, those types of things. So, um, we we do feel like we can put a, a lot more safely in furrow or right there next to that seed um, with products like ours, depending on you know what nutrient you're going with um p and k those those types of nutrients we can go pretty high rates uh, uh i mean almost to the point where uh you would start uh hammering me on economics more than you would uh safety <laughs> yep. of the seed but uh even with nitrogen and sulfur um you know utilizing our products we we feel pretty comfortable running a, a you know pretty fair rates i mean certainly something that would get you up and going. And through the fall and, and winter time, and up up into top dress
0: time, uh,
4: comes springtime. So, uh, you know, fairly safe, I would say.
0: So, I'm sure you talk to a lot of farmers and agronomists who will be raising wheat here this fall. What are your other suggestions for them?
4: Well, uh, you know, I, I I always feel like uh, when I when I talk to you guys on this show, you know, I tell soil sampling, but you know, uh, I, I don't think that with with wheat. We don't usually talk about soil sampling this time of year per se, but, uh, you know, getting a good baseline of those nutrients, uh, you know, again, balance is the key uh, for any good fertility program, and and wheat's no exception there. I would say micronutrients, uh, you know, are are key as well. I mean, we always talk about NPK, sulfur, those types of things, but uh, in in particular, iron and manganese for wheat, uh, you know, corn, soybeans kind of focus on zinc, but, with wheat and some of your small grains, iron and manganese a lot of times is the limiting factor on micronutrients, and so pay attention to those micronutrient levels. Uh, try to try to make sure that we're we're adequate there, and uh, you know just again make sure that 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 whole program is a rounded off, balanced program.
0: Okay, you mentioned iron and manganese. Do you prefer those in with the seed? Um, it, it, would you rather have them broadcast? Would you rather have them sprayed foliar? How would you like to see iron and manganese put on a winter wheat crop?
4: Well, I, I certainly would say that if you're deficient, uh, you know, up front in, in the soil test, uh, you know, I, utilizing our products, I don't mind going going in furrow. Um, I, I actually don't mind even uh, you know kind of a streamed on deal if if you're not set up to go in furrow or, or in with the drill or something like that. Um, You know, you can add that in there to that that phosphorus or P and K K blend kind of thing Um, It does not hurt either in in a top situation. I mean iron and manganese uh, when you think about what metabolic processes those uh, nutrients are responsible for they're also uh, involved with the nitrogen and sulfur uh, nutrients in the plant and so adding that in as a top dress or a foliar application later on in the season doesn't hurt either. So uh, I really don't mind uh, when you put them in, but if, if you are deficient up front, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't want that, that wheat to exist for the first four or five or six months of its life without right. uh, if, if we have the ability to put it in up front.
0: So. Yep, I agree with you. We've been talking with Reed Abbott. He's with AgriLiquid. Reed, thanks for the time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. You bet. All right. We've got Curtis Rainbolt on next. He's with BSF. Hey, Curtis, BSF has a lot of things when it comes to winter wheat anymore. I, I used to kind of think as of BSF as, oh, you're a big uh, corn or soybean company, but now a lot of things that uh, that you could visit with a winter wheat farmer about, right?
5: Oh, absolutely. As, as someone who's worked in, in wheat and winter wheat most of my career, it's exciting to have some really useful tools now.
0: All right. So what are the biggest questions you're getting from farmers and agronomists going into this coming year about your products?
5: Well, you know, there's lots of things to consider from a pest control standpoint. But as we're getting close to seeding this
0: this fall and
5: winter, I, I think the two priorities for me would be, one, seed treatment. Um, you want know, to protect that investment and get that crop off to the best start that you can. Um, And then the second one's going to be weed control. You know, a lot of times we're going to have weeds come up right away with the crop. So uh, the sooner we have a plan, the better off we're going to be.
0: Okay, so seed treatment, I assume you're getting the most questions about Taraxa. Tell us just a little bit more about that.
5: Yeah, you know, Taraxa is a product we've been uh, in the marketplace with for a couple of years and had a lot of success in in controlling wireworms. Uh, You know, we're getting mortality of the wireworms and, and knocking down that population. And a lot of that's focused um, initially on spring wheat, um, where we oftentimes see that wireworm damage a little bit more visible, but it's yep. absolutely a, a concern in winter wheat. And caraxa. Um, you know, you put it out in the fall with the seed, and if we have wireworms that are in that time of moisture uh, as the seed's germinating, we're gonna get control of those, but it's also gonna stick around. And so if we're in the spring and we get conditions such that wireworms are coming back up again uh, and feeding on tillers, uh, we're, we're gonna get some protection then. So. Uh, yeah, you absolutely see a benefit of Tarax and are we
0: Well, you brought up a good point, too, that it actually kills the wereworms. A lot of things we've had in the past simply suppress them, they repel them, but the teraxa actually kills them. And the challenge I see on a lot of farms is no insecticide gets used for a while, and then all of a sudden we have a disaster. Well, if you use some insecticide, like here, if you kill the rootworms in this crop this year, that means next year and the year after that, you should have a little bit lower wireworm population. So there's definitely a benefit long-term when you actually kill the wireworms. So let's go to the weed control thing real quick. Is it sharpen mainly that you're talking to people about or what?
5: Yeah, sharpen really is a focus for this, especially you talk about some of our tough um, broadleaf weeds, whether that be kochia, prickly lettuce, uh, you know, just Get out in front of them, um, especially cases maybe where we have limited tools later in season, uh, get out in front of them, sharpen, you know, going out either pre-plant or pre-emergence has is, is really been a strong performer now for many
0: years. How about if a guy doesn't seed his wheat until late this fall? Let's say the guy says, you know what, I know it's probably too late, but I want to do this anyway. Are you still comfortable spraying sharpen real late? Uh, does it need to be earlier? I mean, what do you prefer?
5: Well, it really, unfortunately, is, is hard to answer that exactly because it's going to come down to where you are and what your soil moisture pattern sure. is. Yep. Uh, you know, but if, 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 if you're in an area where you're going to get some winter precipitation but not excessive, I, I think you can go ahead and do that and, and be extremely successful with it. Um, you know, if, if we don't, if it's dry, it's not going to dissipate or volatilize, but uh, you're not going to get that weed control until we do have a little bit of moisture to get it down in the profile.
0: Yeah, I don't worry about that so much, though, because I just tell guys, sooner or later, it's got to rain. Otherwise, we got a lot bigger problems than just our weed control didn't work. Hey, we've been talking with right, Curtis.
5: Good point. It takes a little moisture to get the weeds
0: up. <laughs> yep, yeah, we've been talking with Curtis Rainbaltees with BSF. Curtis, thanks for the time today. Great talking to you again. Thanks. All right, we're going to continue discussing winter wheat planting considerations. We'll be back right after this.
2: So house harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher-yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions.
6: When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH.
7: Case IH, built by farmers.
3: Good morning and hallelujah! My spray and pray days are over!
7: What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped.
3: Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Weed field heaven!
7: Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard.
3: This is the greatest day in herbicidal history!
2: So, how can
7: I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com.
3: It's gonna be a good year!
7: Always read and follow label directions
2: are you ready? We got the need. The need for seed treatment.
4: Start, Start your engines. engines. Ready,
2: set, Intego. Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit Valen.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instruction.
0: We're listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Just talking a little about winter wheat today. And next on the show, we've got our friend Temple Rhodes with us. He's out in Maryland. He farms out there and he's part of the Extreme Ag Group. Hey, Temple, how are things going in your area today?
8: Man, Brian, it's going great out here today. We're just getting ready for fall harvest is what we're doing now.
0: All right, so when fall harvest is done or maybe even before then, are will you be seeding some winter wheat? In your operation
8: oh yeah we see we 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 do a lot of winter wheat out here um you know so we'll take our corn and our beans off um and we'll we'll kind of pick and choose where we're going to put the winter wheat at you know we're trying to get it on not heavy clay soils you know we'll try to pick a see our, our ground our wheat actually likes a lower CEC um on our ground you know it can't stand a real wet foot so we kind of pick and choose we'll kind of dive in and go harvest a crop and by the end of September, we'll actually start planting our winter wheat then.
0: Okay, so you mentioned no, you don't like it on heavy clay cause it's basically a drainage issue is what you're telling me. So there's no tile in the ground or anything, and, and the drainage just isn't good enough. So does the winter wheat just not survive the winter then very well, or it just doesn't get off to a good start, or what happens?
8: It just, it, it can't get off to a good start. You can't get that, that fall tiller. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, 75% of our yield is trying to set up that fall tiller. So yep. we're trying to set up as many tillers as we can ahead of time. So that's what we do. You know, and there's a lot of other things that we do. Like we're talking about, you know, preparation and what I'm going to do this year versus years past. You know, some of the things that we've adopted in the last few years is, you know, we wait until that, that wheat gets up you know we'll go out there and we'll plant it and then we'll wait till it gets up and then we'll come in with like a half rate of preaxor on that and we'll try to kind of uh get that plant off to a perfect start we'll put a bunch of humics and sugars out there um and we'll put a we'll we'll use mega grow at that point right there and all of those things combine that systematic approach we get that that emergence better we get that we get that tillering off to a better start, and we've increased dramatic yields by just implementing those things.
0: You mentioned fungicide in the fall. That is a bigger deal than a lot of people might think. I've seen a lot of work done on that, where they're getting better winter survivability. And then, when you if you stop and think about it for a second, if there are any diseases, or if you need better plant health, the sooner you can get that, the sooner you get the disease under control. Like in the fall, then you're you're off to a, a lot better start, like you say. And yeah, I could absolutely see all that. So, what what else well, are you thinking the, about? Oh, go ahead.
8: Well, so think about this now, we, we, we destroy our, our stover, you know, we're pulling our stover down. We might run a vertical tillage tool on it or whatever. All of that stover has got disease in it. We're mixing it in the ground. Yeah. Now, only thing that, 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 disease is looking for, it's a pathogen. Now, now it's trying to find somewhere else that something else to be its host. Well, guess what? You just put the perfect seed in the ground. You got something else growing. It immediately attaches to that, that that's its next host. It's his next victim where you're not really thinking about that. And we've had dramatic results with that, with the standability of the crop, just setting it off the right way. It's, it's all of those things play a big, big role into the end, the end goal.
0: A lot of people ask about nitrogen and when is the best timing for nitrogen. Do you put much nitrogen at all out early in, your, in front of your winter wheat?
8: We, we don't. We, we put very, very little out. So along with this program, you know, out here we're in a nutrient management program, so yep. we can only put a very little taste out. Yep. So we can put a little, very little taste out. But, you know, once October, the end of October comes, there, we can't put any more nitrate out there, no fertility really. Um, so we can put a small taste out, but I'm talking about 15 or 20 pounds of N is all we put out. You know and we'll put it out with that one pass of a fungicide it's a, it's a one-pass program now we might spread some potassium or something like that but then everything else it's all applied in the spring and we're still growing really good yields by doing this you know we talk about this nutrient management and how people think that people think that being regulated by the government handcuffs us but what it's taught us how to do is how to utilize fertility better to still obtain the same yield or better and get more money and more return on, on every investment. It's taught us so much. And I truly believe that we're becoming better and better farmers every day by being regulated. And you won't hear that every day, but I truly believe
0: it. <laughs> well, I'd still just assume not have the regulations. I I, I want to be a better know, farmer, but...
8: <laughs> I know. I'm just telling you, there's hope. That's all I'm saying. There's still hope.
0: It sounds good. Hey, Temple, it's been great talking with you again. Appreciate it. Best of luck, and be safe here this fall.
8: All right. I appreciate it. You guys, too. Yep. Have a good day.
0: Yep, thanks. All right, let's go next to uh, Ryan Hunt. He is with FMC in North Dakota and South Dakota. Where are you at today, Ryan? I'm um, just in West Fargo doing some office stuff today. So what's, when when we're we're talking about winter wheat here, what's the biggest product you guys have that you'll discuss with winter wheat farmers and agronomists? Is it Anthem Flex?
6: Yeah, definitely is. Um, especially in your downy brome cheatgrass regions. And then as you get further into the PNW where we've got the resistant Italian ryegrass, that's, uh, really been our, our big go-to getting it out there in the fall time, um, you know, pre-plant or pre-emerge, and uh, really getting a good head start on those winter annual grasses that we have a tough time controlling in crop.
0: Yeah, it's nice having a group fifteen. It's uh, uh, we don't see that. Uh, it's basically ALS and ACCA's chemistry trying to kill grass. So having a group fifteen there is nice. But you mentioned the word pre-plant. And I'm often telling guys, look, wait until after you've seeded that wheat, and then right before it emerges or right after it emerges, spray your Anthem Flex. So talk to us just a little about the timing and what you like best.
6: Yeah, um, so what you mentioned there is definitely going to be the safest. Um, And really for the majority of the country, that's really how we recommend it. And it says on the label, Um, we do have a little wider application window when you get montana idaho um oregon and washington yep. but um for safety aspect and it really works better the later you can do it just because we can get more residual into the spring and summertime uh, once those once those soils cool down below 55 degrees the microbes that are breaking it down kind of shut down um and it really just kind of it's just there waiting for some rain and moisture to get into the soil. Nothing's breaking it down.
0: So what's the biggest weed issue that you see that this is helping out on? Is it that Italian ryegrass? Is that what you're talking to most people about?
6: Um, You know, in my part of the world, it'd be uh, downy brome and cheatgrass. But the other thing we're really starting to promote it with is there's a lot of PPO-resistant kochia popping up. and. Yep. If we can get it out there in the fall, we can get some good, good results on kochia the following spring summer um, that we just can't seem to get when we put it out in the springtime. So it's uh, we're starting to find some other nice uses too, and then even green foxtail and yellow foxtail, it'll do a real good job the following season as well if we get it get a good stiff rate out there, three and a half four ounces this fall.
0: Yeah, I kinda forgot all about the that option. But when you talk about kochia, you got we have a group fifteen here. Whereas with most of these other products in winter wheat, we're talking ALS chemistry for killing grass. And that's fine. It's just you're not gonna kill any kochia with that. Well, with the group fifteen, it does have activity on kochia and water hemp and a whole bunch of broadleaves besides the grass.
6: Yep, exactly. It's uh it's a nice tool that's you know, in our big wheat-growing areas, we're not using much group 15s, maybe a little bit in some beans or corn, but where we're predominantly wheat, we're uh, it's a really underutilized mode of action that we can get out there and really switch some things up with a little bit.
0: All right, we've been talking with Ryan Hunt. He's with FMC. Hey, Ryan, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Great talking with you.
3: Yep, you have a good day.
0: You too. All right, when it comes to winter wheat, again, we just encourage you, hey, when you, when you get started here at planting time, that's when you can maximize yield. So do everything you can on the fertility end, get some, some kind of pre out there for weed control. Take a hard look at whatever you're doing for seed treatments. Maybe try some new stuff there. We talked about taraxa for wireworms that can actually kill the wireworms. But there are some really good fungicides, some good biologicals now that you can use as well. And consider trying a little bit of foliar fungicide. I know it may seem weird to do it in the fall, but try a little bit on your farm. See if you see a difference going into the spring. I know a lot of people certainly have. We're going to get back to the Egg PhD Mailbag right after this.
7: In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision. An all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall. 100 years of milestones. 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall. The tractor that is the one for all. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior strip tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712 520 6051.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, the number is 844 44 ag or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, I got this one in from Jordan out in Washington State. He says, hi guys, we're dealing with more and more yellow nutsedge in our fields. In our area, we rely primarily on post-emerge herbicides for corn, like Roundup, Status, etc., to control the weeds. We also use Atrazine and Dual on occasion, but we're not having much luck with control of the nut sedge. Wondering if you guys have any tips on what we could do to our programs to get better control. Uh, any info would be appreciated. All right, so Jordan, I'll tell you this. We have dealt with sedge on our own farm enough over the years. Here's what I can tell you. Number one, you probably have a drainage issue, and... <laughs> I know, you're going to laugh because, and for anybody who is familiar at all with eastern Washington State, it's just slightly above a desert. No offense, it's just you don't get a lot of rain. So usually we aren't seeing a lot of weeds like yellow nut sedge that thrive in low grounds and wet soils. But that's my guess, is this is probably in your low grounds. You could run some tile through there, improve the drainage, and that will help. In terms of herbicides, you mentioned Roundup. We have found Roundup can control yellow sedge, but the issue with the Roundup you're using is most likely this. You're using too much water and the droplet's not concentrated enough. Where we've had good success with, with nutsedge is spraying the Roundup all by itself at the highest labeled rate with the lowest possible water volume you can imagine. So, very low water means very high concentration, because think about that yellow nutsedge leaf. It's real waxy, so you can't get much into that. It's the same kind of discussion I have with guys when it comes to cattails and to some degree even milkweed, hemp dogbane. When you have a waxy leaf and, and yellow nutsedge is one of the worst, you just can't get a lot into the plant. So you do that, and the Roundup will actually control your yellow nutsedge. I know it will because we've done it on our own farm. Now, you also mentioned dual. Surprisingly, Dual's actually pretty good when it's used pre-emerge at the full rate. So you can go that direction. Post-emerge, if the Roundup doesn't do it for you, Atrazine together with Basagran, old Basagran, actually is pretty decent. So that's my advice to you. Start with Dual, follow post-emerge with Roundup. If that doesn't do it, go with Basagran and a little bit of Atrazine. And again... (laughs) I, I'm sure you don't have nutsedge everywhere. It's probably just in the low ground. If you ran a little bit of tile there, improved the drainage just a little bit maybe. Uh, that may help you too. Okay, uh, next one, and I apologize, I don't have a name on this one, but the question was, how do I kill stink bugs in soybeans? Well, we have a lot of herb- or insecticides out there that'll kill stink bugs, and quite frankly, I'm going as cheap as I can because... Why spend the money on something else when the the 2 or $3 option will work great? So Mustang Max, Silencer, Asana, one of those kind of products, they should work fine for you. I'm not that worried about it. Just use the full rate and you'll be in good shape. All right, next one here is from Jaden who says, Hi guys, I've got some soil. That's 35 cation exchange capacity. So that's pretty heavy ground. He says pH of 7. The base saturation calcium is 55 and the magnesium is 35. So I'm wanting to get more calcium into the soil to help lower the magnesium. I listened to Neil Kinsey and he said to use lime until your base saturation is at 60% and then use gypsum. Is this correct? My concern is the lime raising my pH. Jade and I would have those exact same concerns that you have. you your lime is going to raise the pH on you. So would I do that? No, I would not. And let me explain a little bit more because you might say, well, I'm contradicting what Neil says. No, I'm really not. So here, because and I know I'm confusing you now, but here's what you need to know. When Neil runs a soil test, his base saturation is going to be different than the base saturation that I'm running and most likely, or, you know, the, the standard test I have done or the test you most likely are having done. Because when Neil runs a test, he's also figuring in other bases. So in other words, base saturation for me and what we always talk about is calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and hydrogen. For him, he adds in a sixth component called other bases. That is basically micronutrients. Okay, so if let's say I had 5% there, that cuts down... Now, instead of having 100% to go to the 5 that I I first said, now I only have 95%. So, in other words, instead of calcium needing to be 60%, well, maybe my 55% on my test or on your test would equal 60% on a Neil Kinsey test. You see where I'm going with this? So, I don't think you're going to be having any problems going out there with gypsum. But I will tell you, we have soils like that and I've had soils like that and... You're way ahead in my book and in my experience to fix everything else first. So, fix the drainage, fix the potassium, fix the phosphorus, the sulfur, all the micronutrients like, literally everything. Spend every uh, spend, whatever you need to get everything else taken care of. And then I'd worry about that calcium, magnesium. And Neil, a lot of times, they will talk about calcium and magnesium first. And I'm not saying it's not important. It is. And I like to have the magnesium lower. But the challenge is when you have a 35 CEC, you have a ridiculous amount of magnesium there. And it's going to cost you a lot of money to get that magnesium percentage down below 20. And especially if you want to hit Neil's ideal in heavy soil at 12 Um it's going to gonna cost you a fortune. So I would not do that first unless you want to do it on just a few acres. So you can try it on a few acres, but a very small amount because I'm just telling you, you're going to spend lots of money and that return is not going to come for a long time. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't want the magnesium lower. Your ground will be more productive when your magnesium gets down. I'm simply saying I would work on it over the next 20 years rather than trying to fix it in one shot. So don't spend a fortune. Spend your money first on a lot of these other things. So that's the direction I'd go. All right. Uh, I think we have time for this. we got uh, Adam calling in from Iowa. Uh, Adam, how are you doing today?
3: Pretty good. How are you doing?
0: Excellent. I uh, here you get a question about hay.
3: Yes. I, uh, I'm a small hay farmer in north central Iowa here in okay. Britt. Yep. Uh, I have a little five acre patch of hay. Uh, it's, I used to have a pasture on it. Uh, corn went to $7. I quit raising cattle. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now I just do a pasture on it. Uh, it's, it's a hay pasture basically on the edge of town. Yep. I have never put, uh, for years, uh, there's never been any fertilizer, uh, no fertilizer. Not never been sprayed within 30 years. My grandpa had a, a a livestock yard there. I guess bought and sold livestock off of it. Oh, sure. I am now wanting to switch to alfalfa. Uh, I'm 28 years old, and we've been taking three cuttings of hay off of it ever since I can remember. Yep. So we drilled alfalfa in it last fall. It was a dry fall. This spring it come back up in spots. And the, the later the later the cuttings like the second and third cutting the less alfalfa we've seen uh, to my belief the red clover choked that out am I correct
0: uh, well very well could but I, I mean if the alfalfa didn't get started last fall and stuff got ahead of it this spring it, it it's tough to get it established then but anyway go, go ahead do you have more question than that?
3: Yes, yes, I do. So I'm looking. So what is what would be my, what would be your next step as far as spraying it and then digging it up and then doing it again?
0: Okay. So first of all, here here's part of the problem. If you've got alfalfa and some grew, then there's a Lelopathy. A lot of times we figure for a whole year. So in other words. If I was going to go to something else, I would plant a crop in there. I'd do anything else, plant some grass in there, whatever, for a year or two before I tried alfalfa again. And I hate to say that to you because I'm sure you want to go alfalfa again right away. But that would be my concern is that allelopathy, the chemical that the alfalfa puts out, it stops other alfalfa plants from growing. So I, I don't know that I would go I, – well, I would not go right back to alfalfa. And how would I okay. kill that off? Um, I would probably take a last cutting here this fall, get as much tonnage as I can off of that, and then I yep. would kill it off with a herbicide uh, just before the frost. Um, hang on for me, Adam, uh, if you would. we got to take a quick break here, and then we can talk just a little bit more about it right after this. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John
3: Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the c summer blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest c or learn more at Deerequipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com.
7: looking for a herbicide as
2: versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife anthem flex herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses including italian ryegrass minimize resistance and help maximize yields with anthem flex herbicide visit your fmc retailer or ag.fmc.com
1: to learn more always read and follow all label directions
0: Right before the break, we were speaking with Adam from Iowa, and he just said he's got a hay field where he, he tried putting in some alfalfa last fall, didn't come uh, because it was dry and everything. And so this year, he's got clover kind of choking it out, and it's just it's not what he wants. And so the question, if I got this right, Adam, was what should you do now if you want to have this be a nice field of alfalfa? And I guess my suggestion, like I was saying, is If it's me, I'm going to have something else in there for a year, uh, whether it's corn or grass or something else, and then I kind of go from there. Now, if you might, if you say, "Well, how how could I get just whatever's growing there now?" Just if I have some grass uh, to uh, just live for the next year, you could go kill this off with. 2,4-D even. I mean, go use some Frelex or whatever, and, and that will really ding up your alfalfa, your clover, everything. And if you had grass still growing out there, fine. You let that go for a year. I mean, I, I don't know. You have a lot of options. I'm just saying And you, you can't just go out there today with tillage or a herbicide and kill everything off and seed alfalfa again today because you might be back in this exact same spot a year from now where you go, man, my alfalfa just didn't take off very well. You got too much allelopathy in there because of any alfalfa that did grow this year. So that's my biggest concern for you. So wh- what other questions do you have with that?
3: I, th- I think that's the most- So I took my last cutting off uh, Sunday. I had I oh, 180 yeah. bales oh. or, of, of, and it was it was mostly uh, clover. I mean, it, the clover is so, so dense, not dense, but the words, uh, it's very thick in the bottom. So it's like a, yep. it's a, it's not flat. It's in the bottom kind of a, I guess, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it takes you. a, a tetherer. We hire a guy to come tether it, uh, and you must tether it. It would never dry if you to, if you were to just to cut it and then leave it lay yep. in, in a windrow, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we're trying to get away from is is the clover. So the first cutting is a lot of grass, and then your clover roots, I assume, are deeper than your grass roots. Just so like alfalfa is deeper than your grass, and it grows a lot better in drier conditions.
8: Yep.
3: So. Okay so the so you would you would uh, spray it uh, even with 24D uh, right before the frost and then do okay. a year of uh, some other
0: of just uh, grass of just, just grass. grass yeah okay. o- or something else okay so let's put it this way if all i want to do is kill off the alfalfa out there, there's no way to just kill the alfalfa and not the clover. So you're going to kill both the alfalfa and the clover with a 2,4-D or dicamba or anything like that, that will kill those, but it'll leave the grass. And then you go a year with grass. And then when it gets to, let's call it August next year, you go spray the grass with Roundup, kill everything that's out there, and then you seed your alfalfa in. So that's one way to do it. I I just, I mean, so... If you tell me my goal is I just want to raise alfalfa, nothing else, that's what I'm trying to do, then that's my best advice for you.
3: Okay. One more question. Yeah. So that clover, is there clover seeds in the ground right now? How do you, uh, will that spray kill them
0: also? It's not going to kill anything that's in the ground, but during the year, next year, if any, any, I don't really care as much about the clover as I do the alfalfa. Okay, So okay. I got to make sure that the alfalfa is gone for a year so I don't have to worry about that whole allelopathy thing and I can go seed alfalfa in there again. So I, okay. I would hit it another time or two next year if any weeds are out there, any more clover or anything like that, and I'd go hit it with some more 2,4-D again and, and then you'll be in pretty good shape. Now, the other thing that I guess I wanted to say to you, because you you mentioned about how, okay, you've seen this your whole life, haven't put fertilizer on, uh, we've taken off, taken off, taken off. Now, you did say next to livestock operation, okay, well, maybe grandpa put all kinds of manure there and you had enough fertility for the last 28 years. You might not now. So I'm just saying before next year I would be in fact even right now I would I would pull soil samples and if you want we'll take a look at them but here are two things you got to know. Number 1, if your soil pH is anything less than 6.8, you are not going to maximize your alfalfa tonnage. You're not going to even get that alfalfa off to a great start. It needs high pH. It can't take low pH. So if, for example, you find, oh, wow, my pH here is five and a half. Well, that could have been one of the reasons why your alfalfa never took off. Uh, Okay. I have something to add
3: to that real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So so there was a feeding floor up top. Now we built a shop there. Yep. And the only place the alfalfa grew was the little river that the manure would run down the hill, and that that explains a lot because the alfalfa only grew where the manure ran down the hill. At I believe is is that makes sense okay. now.
0: Okay, so what here's what I'd want you to do: sample somewhere else in the field and where this manure ran, and so that way we can compare those two soils, and then you'll probably be able to answer your own question. So pH could okay. be a part of it, but the other side of it, and this was going to be my second point for you: look at pH right now, and also look at fertility because. Next year, you're going to have the chance, when you seed that alfalfa, if you want to till it up, that's going to be your last time tilling it up for a long time. And if it needs a whole bunch of phosphorus or potassium or copper or zinc, those nutrients do not leach down in soil very well in your geography at all, especially in heavy ground. So the only thing you can do is put a whole bunch of nutrients out... And then till it in, now it's down in the soil where that alfalfa needs it, and it'll really take off. So this is exactly what we do when we're going to be putting in alfalfa. But I'd be looking at that right now for a soil test, even a year in advance, because it takes a long time for lime to be effective for you. So you can't just soil test next fall and go, oh, I got a 5.5 pH, I'll put some lime on now. Well, yeah, three years later, your your pH will be fixed. Well, in the meantime, it costs okay. you a whole bunch of tonnage and your stand's not the way the way you want it.
3: Okay. Okay. That explains a lot. Uh, no, that is, that, uh, I will pass that on to my father. So I appreciate that very much.
0: You bet. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it.
3: Okay. Thank you. You bet. Bye.
0: All right. Let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag here. This next one is from Gregory. He says, I got a field that has blister beetles in it. Now I read you can, you can use silencer to kill the beetles, but then you're not supposed to feed that cutting of alfalfa after being sprayed. Is this accurate? Uh, Gregory, I've not found that to be accurate. Uh, so we have uh, we have a bunch of alfalfa ourselves, and we spray silencer or Mustang Max or whatever on it, and it, and we do that on a very regular basis. So no, I I don't think that is correct at all. So you can look on the label again, uh, but I I sure don't see that on the silencer label, and I don't know anybody that would would uh, interpret it that way. But there are other products out there too. Like I say, Mustang Max and plenty of others that are labeled. I like the Mustang Max, by the way, because that has the shortest pre-harvest interval. That's only got a three-day pre-harvest interval. So we use Mustang Max on our own farm. All right. Um, This next one here, and I apologize, I again, don't have a name on this, but uh, we were talking about drain tile the other day. And this person says, this stuff is amazing, I, 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 but I don't, I, and I'm, I, I think it's very interesting what you're talking about with drain tile. And we were just kind of talking through some of the basic things with drain tile. But anyway, he says, I don't understand how these tiles don't get clogged. He says, I'm in construction and 90% of the time we're pulling those out from around foundations. They're clogged because they were not placed in a sleeve or a sock. It seems counterintuitive. Uh, also, I love using PEX because it's flexible, but the flexibility on that line seems way off. Uh, the the pipes we put around houses are so rigid so that they aren't crushed. Uh, regardless, this is still interesting. Okay, so I, I just want to comment on this real quick. A lot of times around foundations of houses, um, those have been there for a long time and they don't have lots of slope to them. So one of the big things how we Solve problems in the field with clogging is we have slope to it. Especially that's why we always talk about we want the main line to have the most slope. So at least if you plug up a lateral line or whatever, and eventually all tile lines will fill in with dirt. Okay, they will. Might be hundred years, might be two years. It just depends on how you set the system up. So anyway, I we've had great success out in fields, and I we still have a lot of tile lines I can find from years and years ago that work amazingly well. But without slope, then we can have some problems. Uh, The other thing around houses is I don't know what kind of soil you're dealing with there. So here's where I'm going with this. If you have fine sand or silt, then that can often get into the tile lines and plug stuff up. So that's where we especially say, hey, we want a sleeve or sock uh, or narrow slot tile or something like that. But yeah, we love drain tile. And, uh, and we do use it in a lot of different places. All right, uh, before we go, I guess I just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She is producing the show for us today. Uh- my brother darren and i have been out doing a lot of farmer meetings and that's where darren is at today and i know i will be here for the next few days so anyway uh we'll both be back in the studio again soon <laughs> but uh we'll uh, we'll continue to come to you with more good information uh and uh I, I think it'll be just me in the studio here in the next couple of days anyway uh before we go just want to tell you thanks a lot for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio